Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. Lots to talk about, as there usually is today, um, as we should do every week. We don't, but as we should do, uh, let's talk about some scripture and let's read scripture before we get started. Um, I think we all need a lot of this and we've done this many times, but we're going to do it again. We're going to talk about the peace um, that God gives us during these tumultuous times. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. That is Psalm 85, 8. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Psalm 119, 165. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, Isaiah 26, 3. We do need a lot of trust these days, don't we? When we look around us and see all the chaos and tumult that is going on in this culture. Um, so we, we do need our Lord. We do need peace. We do need trust. Um, an oldie but a goodie, um, my favorite and some of uh, your favorite as well, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are some tumultuous times, um, how you deal with them. Um, I feel so bad for the non-believer who does not know the Lord, um, can't access the Lord, wouldn't even begin to know what these verses mean. And um, my heart absolutely breaks. You you turn the news on, you open your window and hear whatever you hear, you see whatever you see in the streets. People are talking at the water cooler or wherever about um, just the 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 off the rails nature of what's going on in our country with the COVID-19 thing and the rioting in the streets in Antifa and the prospects of um, perhaps Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris is enough to stress some people out um, and many, many, many other things. So my heart first and foremost goes out to the non-believer that does not know Jesus Christ. I mean, um, I'm a Christian. I have been for 35 years. And um, many of you that listen to this show are Christians. And we are finding it extraordinarily difficult to capture, claim this peace that the Bible talks about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And if we are finding it extraordinarily difficult to do that, can you imagine people that don't know the Lord? Um, it's it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling the the fear, the anxiousness that they have. And unfortunately, and we have discussed it on this show, and many people discuss it, the fact that um, there are politicians and people in powerful situations that are exploiting this fear. When I go down the road and, and go to establishments and, and I see all the masks and all the fear and will this thing ever return to any degree of normalcy, 
and the cancellations, which really breaks my heart, um, of, uh, schools, uh, it, it, uh colleges, uh, going online and high schools and elementary schools, junior high schools having to go strictly online in some instances down in, uh, Maryland, the, uh, the little dictator there telling, um, telling parochial schools what to do, even though he does not have the authority to do that, just shutting them down. And then the governor who is no paragon of conservatism, um, said, no, 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 this is America. You cannot do that. But, um, what people are getting away with in this country, uh, and there are a myriad of lawsuits on both sides of, um, of the political aisle uh, over this COVID-19 thing. But we should all be extraordinarily concerned about the ease with which politicians, um, particularly in blue states, have just pushed around the citizenry, um, trampled on religious freedoms and all sorts of other freedoms um, for in the guise of safety, it's really quite chilling. It really is. And I, I often refer to it as the hide under the bed doctrine. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't, unless you dig, I don't hear and see. Well, let me digress. The reason that these things can happen in the greatest country in the world, a, a country based on liberty and freedom um, and our forefathers were men of faith. The reason it can happen here and is happening so easily is largely because of what I um, <clears throat> was just alluding to. Um, this angst, this fear that people have, they don't even know the Lord. They wouldn't even know how to quell this fear other than to talk about it, put CNN on, drink, take pills, smoke dope, do all sorts of escaping things or things to kind uh, try to calm themselves down in a, in a very crazy chaotic world and um, and one of the reasons, as I said before, that people can get away with this whole COVID hide under the bed thing is fear. Um, you keep people afraid and you sprinkle in some anger. It is amazing what has been done in this country when the masses have been whipped up with that just dreaded combination of fear and anger. Um, it, it, it's it's mind-boggling, and we're seeing it unfurl before our eyes. So we really do need these verses. If you don't know the Lord, you need to come to the Lord Jesus and give him your heart and become a Christian. And your life's going to get better in so many ways, but at least during this tumultuous time, you will have a friend, a, a uh, person to guide you, to comfort you, to give you this peace. Uh, the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Romans 8, 6 tells us when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Um, so many verses about peace. Um, and again, Philippians four, six, and seven, one of my favorites, but, um, 
we're not very peaceful out there right now. We are, uh, we are anxious and, um, you know, if an entity wants to close their doors or, uh, a school system wants to put things in place to protect children and, uh, young adults, even though the incidence of mortality when individuals in that age category or those age categories contract COVID-19 is, is so staggeringly low. It, it just makes your head spin. They're all, you know, uh, they have the right to do that. But my problem among many is I'm hearing about things that are being canceled into the spring of next year, 2021. And if you look about at it, that is a, 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 over a full year after this COVID-19 pandemic has overwhelmed the world. Um, it really started uh, at the end of 2019, came to our shores uh, very early after that, while Nancy Pelosi was distracting everybody and distracting the president with this impeachment craziness. Um, but if you look forward at the things that are being canceled, I, I, they come across my desk every day. It, it just blows my doors in that you're canceling things, um, out till April of 2021. I mean, this is, this is August of, of 2020. And how, how do you know? I mean, if you want to make a declarative that something is canceled or these are the precautions we're going to take now, that's fine. And I do understand with planning huge meetings and hotel reservations and all this stuff that, um, you know, certainly the, um, you know, what happens is, uh, they take definitely take time to, um, you know, uh, plan and, and, and you want to plan accordingly. And if you need to cancel something, that's fine. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about athletic leagues and, and things that are and local things and things for our kids that are just being summarily canceled. And we're, we're talking seven months from now. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, cynics, and I don't think you really have to be a cynic. Um, talking about uh, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris um, become elected in a few short months, that this COVID-19 thing is dramatically going to to be off the table. And, and I think common sense would tell you that. So, I, I mean, if, if you want to protect people or protect whoever is in your entity or system, I get it. But canceling things eight months from now, is insane. It, it really is insane. Let's read a little bit more scripture because I'm, um, I'm just throttled up about this. Um, I think we all need a lot of courage. Uh, here's some scripture on courage. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Um, Isaiah 4110, a, um, a really good go-to, um, verse, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, one. 
Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. So I, I get it back to scripture, you know, because the, the whole premise of this show is to uh, discuss the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. So I, I try to read some articles try to analyze them from a Christian viewpoint. Although the show, as you, as many of you know, is not um, strictly for Christians. There are many, many people in this audience that are not Christians. I, I pray they all become Christians. And if I have a small part to do with that, that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, I will tell you this, as I said a few minutes ago, navigating times like this, these when you are a Christian, uh, albeit extraordinarily challenging, uh, are a heck of a lot easier than navigating times like this if you do not know God. Um, excuse me. The, the economic turmoil alone is enough to bring anyone under, um, men particularly, who um, in this country and in all countries, but much more in this country, gain their identity through what they do. And in the early months of COVID-19, the unemployment rate, which was, and largely because of Donald Trump, was at a staggeringly low rate across many demographics and in general. And it ballooned up um, to upwards of, you know, 18%. Um, those individuals uh, not only are deriving a great deal of their identity through what they do, but also they are providing for people. Um, and because that has been just taken away and miraculously, and I, I don't fully understand it, although I understand it to some degree that the unemployment rate is definitely going down. Um, Again, we, we get back to the person that doesn't know the Lord. And if their identity is in what they do and their self-worth is in what they do or how big their house is or if they can pay their bills, I, I weep for that person because if this all gets stripped away and many things are being stripped away because of this pandemic and probably much more so because of the reaction to the pandemic and the power brokers and the money grabbers and the demagogues that are just absolutely exploiting a terrible situation. Uh, if, if you're, if you can't get a job and many people can't, and you can't provide for your family and you don't know the Lord, these are some incredibly stressful times. And, and I will tell you that even though I know the Lord, and um, my money stream has been affected, but not as adversely as many other people's. I, I went through an anxious moment um, the other day when um, there was like a confluence of many, many things wearing on me, the COVID-19 thing in general, but many, many other things. And then I was watching television. I don't watch television that often. I prep for the show a little bit by watching it, but it's um, it's very depressing. It's very stress-inducing. And if the bulk of it was true, 
I, I probably would watch it a little bit more. But since so few outlets are really um, uh, forwarding the truth and they are consciously, in most instances, forwarding lies and deceptive um, uh, things packaged as a, a truth or half-truth or quasi-truth, I don't watch much of it, but I did watch something the other day and um, I was, you know, just a very benign television show and they interrupted it by um, announcing that Joe Biden has um, selected Kamala Harris as his VP running mate. And even though most of us kind of knew that was going to happen, the reality of it happening and the just um, series of events that have happened in the year 2020 that seem to be pretty much stacked against Donald Trump. And you know me, I'm not a big Donald Trump fan. I don't hate him. I don't love him. Um, but it, it got me worried. Um, and I was overwhelmed for a good bit of time. And taking the advice that I give you guys all the time, went to my prayer closet, went to scripture, but knowing that Kamala Harris is, uh, that Joe Biden could very well be elected in, you know, 80 something days and that Joe Biden is pretty old. And, um, those of you that have listened to this show with any degree of, uh, um, interest, understand very well that I am not one of the Joe Biden is a doddering demented idiot that most people on the right paint him as. However, I do want to set this up by saying that and then go to this. He has, um, in recent weeks continued to concern me. Um, I don't think it's dementia. Uh, but I, and I'm not a physician, so I, I'm not qualified to make that comment like many, many other commentators flippantly do. This is not something funny. We all have family members and friends and coworkers and all sorts of people that are going through, um, either caring for or going through the aging process themselves. It's, it's not funny stuff. And to, be non-clinicians and, and flippantly said the guy's losing it, this and that and the other. I've, I've Anybody that's listened to my show knows that I, I try to tread reasonably lightly with that one. But I will say, in all honesty, in the last several weeks, I have been increasingly concerned with um, Joe Biden and his faculties. And I believe that stems from garden variety, the guy's pushing 80. And most people that are pushing 80, um, quite frankly, and Donald Trump is a glaring exception, even though he's a little bit younger, um, don't have the brain capacity that they had when they were 28 years old, 35 years old. They don't have the stamina, the energy, the, uh, the mental acuity, and they shouldn't. Um, these bodies that we have, they um they do decline over the years and and I have always chalked up Joe Biden's shtick, if you will, to um his uh, propensity to be a human gaff machine, and he has had that propensity since he was in his thirties when he started um, politics in Washington, anyway, and um 
and the fact that he's 78, 79 years old, whatever it is. Um, but having said that and stopping short of using the D word, he concerns me quite a bit um, being at the helm if he is indeed elected. And I think when he officially announced the other day that Kamal Harris is going to be his running mate, that was, that was a real in my gut angst ridden moment for me. Um, not just for the fact that she's on the left and I tend to be pretty conservative, but, um, typically a vice presidential candidate is usually someone that does not necessarily help the, um, uh, guy or gal on the presidential, um, uh, side of it. However, the pick is a very careful pick because even though it doesn't help them, it certainly could be a liability to them. So it's an important pick. But the reason this one concerns me is the times that we live in with the rioting in the streets, with the um, Black Lives Matter movement, um, with race, uh, racial tensions, uh, tons and tons of misinformation as far as who Donald Trump is and what he's all about as it pertains to race. So this pick of Kamala Harris, um, who is half African-American and half Indian, um, is, is a very uh, strategic pick. It is a very troubling pick because her race, um, which should not have anything to do with anything, is going to be a very big player in this thing as far as getting some people excited to vote for her just because of her skin color. I think that's wrong. I agree with Martin Luther King that we should be judged on the content of our character, not the color of our skin. Our friends on the left do not agree with Dr. King's statement. Um, and um, we'll just leave it at that. But exploiting her color and exploiting her gender are are concerning enough for me but my biggest problem with her is the fact that she is um very obama-esque in the respect that she can be whatever she needs to be she's um a very beautiful woman a young woman 55 um and that may not be young to some people but with a cadre of uh, Democrats and Republicans in this thing that happened to be um, in their 70s. 55 is looking pretty darn young. So um, she's young. She's attractive. She's female. She's African-American in a time where plenty of white liberals are more than happy to exploit her color. Um, I think that if Joe Biden doesn't make it for some reason um, for four years, if he gets elected, and I'm not one of those people that gets on the public airwaves and, and either hopes for that or says that's going to happen. Um, and I don't think it's a very strong likelihood that it happens. But if if it's any percent of likely that it may happen simply because of his age alone, Kamala Harris being the president of the United States should scare anybody. Um, and, and what scares me 
for the culture because let's face it um and i you know i I've, I've grown in this respect politicians come and go and our lord is on the throne today tomorrow and forever um we have weathered really bad politicians before and we can do it again and our constitution is a great document our country is a great document our country unlike any other country in the world has been blessed by the lord um in the quickest of manners and in the 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 most abundant of manners largely because we uh have been largely a christian nation um up until very recently ago and i still think we are and i still do have hope but um Kamala Harris would be the absolute wrong person at the wrong time with all the stuff that is going on out there. Um, and when I talk to young people about Kamala Harris, they like her and because young people do not have age and perspective like perhaps I do or you do. And they see the Madison Avenue packaging and they just assume, hey, she's nice. Um, I, I'll be inclined to vote for Joe Biden now because he's woke enough to pick her as a running mate. Um, peeling the onion skin a little bit and going back to some cold, hard facts on Kamala Harris. And I'm not going to recite a big fact sheet on Kamala Harris. I, I don't have the time or energy for that, but I will say this. She did drop out of the race and she dropped out of the race for a very, um, logical reason. She was tracking in between probably at her highest 3%, but most of the time around one or 2%. Um, that's pretty bad. And if you can't beat that collection of flaming leftists and communists and gaffe machines and, and all sorts of just that, that, that soup of just crazy people, I hate to say the word, but crazy people on the left that wanted to be president, if you cannot garner more than one or 2% of the vote uh, in, in a Democrat primary, um, you're, not a real, you're not a real strong candidate. And so she dropped out for a reason. That's first and foremost. Secondly, people forget because we all have the attention span of a gnat and um, that's a problem. Um, if you do not heed history, you will be destined to repeat it. And politicians know how distracted we are, particularly with this COVID-19 thing. But we are distracted under normal circumstances. And um, people don't remember that um, Kamala Harris just tore Joe Biden up in the uh, primaries with his history of racially insensitive comments, bizarre comments as they pertain to race, his policies that um, were at least perceived by the left as not very good um, for African-American citizens, and a whole host of other um, things that uh, she just tore into Joe Biden about. And, and, I, and one thing that I do enjoy, uh, I don't enjoy the fighting. But one thing I do enjoy either on the right or left during these presidential debates is 
when someone has pretty much a 0.0 chance of becoming the nominee and they're very desperate, they do tend to start to take chunks out of other people in that, um, in that race. And if they're telling the truth, which, um, in Kamala Harris's case, she was slapping Joe Biden around pretty good with some truthful comments. I find it to be helpful um, because more light being shed on Joe Biden is always helpful. Um, I really haven't paid attention in the last few days. This just happened a few days ago. I don't know how she's going to dance on the head of a pin and reconcile her comments toward um, Joe Biden, um, juxtapose them with now he's her man and they're going to the top. You know, politicians can do it. They've done it. Um, if you hearken back, if you're a little older, Ronald Reagan and George Bush were pretty um, pretty nasty adversaries in the late 70s. Um, and um, Ronald Reagan picked him as his uh, running mate. So it happens and you can do it. And we all know that the liberal media is not going to um, point that out to anyone. So you're going to have to dig for what I just said to fact check it. Um, it's not going to come up in the debates if we even have debates. And um, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are going to be depicted as as the greatest, beautiful, symbiotic political um, relationship that you've ever seen in, in the world. Um, and that that's what's going to happen. So you're going to have to do your best to find out who the real Kamala Harris is. Um, she has some degree of credibility with moderate Democrats as she was a prosecutor in California. But um, how does that square with um, some on the left that have a problem with the fact that she put away African Americans for very, very small crimes in the state of California. Um, she has not been uh, forced to explain that, but um, and she probably won't be forced to explain it between now and November, but it's up to you to dig that out. Um, I know the one thing that got her in a little bit of trouble is when she tried to do a Hillary Clinton and she was on a uh, FM radio station and she tried to be cool and somebody brought up her Jamaican uh, heritage and smoking pot and um, instead of being a leader and being an adult, she said, um, on the issue of legalization and the proliferation of, of legalizing pot throughout the country. Um, she flippantly just kind of rolled her eyes and said, Hey, I'm a Jamaican. And to his credit, um, no great conservative at all. Her father got on the public airwaves and um, denounced her immediately as embarrassing herself, the family and her Jamaican heritage and the stereotype that Jamaicans just lay in a hammock and smoke dope all day, which is really um, unfortunate if you've known um, any Jamaican Americans that have come from that country. They are, um, and I 
risk stereotyping here. They are largely very, very industrious people that don't have any time for, um, you know, slowing their ambition down with pot. Um, and for her to just, just use that to curry favor with a, a demographic that probably will not get off their butt and vote anyway was very, very stupid. And, um, but that is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris will say what she needs to, and um, they'll polish her up a little bit because the stakes of being a VP candidate and debating um, Vice President Pence are higher than where, um, I mean, being elected a senator from California as a Democrat is really no big feat. Um, however, I, I will say this. Um, and to not to encourage, but just to say it like it is um, uh, to our friends on the left, I, I wouldn't be real worried about her in a debate with Vice President Pence. Um, now, and, 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 you know, quite frankly, that debate or um, several debates, um, given Joe Biden's state right now, we'll just say it like that may be far more important and of interest to a lot of people um, than vice presidential debates have been heretofore. And the reason I say that, again, this is one of the many, many things, and I will chronicle them in a minute, that lines up in, in favor of um, Joe Biden rather than Donald Trump in the year 2020 here. Um, Kamala Harris against um Vice presidential or Vice President Pence is something that is is tailor made for the liberal media to just spin in such a way that um, she could show up drunk and it would be declared a victory for her. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I was a big Mike Pence fan in um, when he was in Congress. He was a very different person. Uh, ideologically, he has not changed all that much. However, when people, either Democrat or Republican, become vice president, they basically have to toe the, um, the party line, the president's line. Uh, big Dan Quayle fan, um, and Dan Quayle would get in trouble from time to time because he was much more conservative than um, H.W. Uh, Bush, and he um, kind of got ahead of himself a few times, and uh it does not look good when the vice presidential candidate is at odds in any way, shape, manner, or form with his boss, uh, the president. And in the case of Mike Pence, uh, because of a whole lot of things, the way the country is, the way the media has um, misrepresented some of his views and some of his uh, uh, ways of governance in the state of Indiana, just totally misrepresented it. Mike Pence is kind of a punchline to a lot of people. And I think that's unfortunate. So if you stick this middle-aged Republican guy with a blue suit and a red tie and white hair in a room next to a hip happening, somewhat younger um, African-American woman, um, at, at, at first blush, that does not set up well as a visual. Um, and I could just imagine and envision Mr. Pence robotically touting 
many, many of the, the bona fide, true good things that have happened in the last three and a half years under Donald Trump, which are undeniable. If you like them or hate them, it, they're undeniable. But to to see Vice President Pence articulate those and to see Kamala Harris lie about them and sound a little hipper and cooler and more attractive. Television is a visual, ladies and gentlemen, and what you say is quite secondary to how you look and she's attractive and she's got some energy. And I think unless VP Pence is, is, um, is prepped real well, he could really look bad against her. And I don't think that's a good thing. And I think that is one of the many, many things that at the start of 2020, um, that started slowly but surely working against Donald Trump. Um, the impeachment uh, process, which I never thought would even start, it started. I never thought he would be impeached. He was. None of us in our wildest imaginations would have um, envisioned the pandemic um, ruling our lives as it has. This cop that went nuts in Minneapolis doing what he did to that poor gentleman, um, killing him unjustly. Um, and, and the, the, um, the catalyst that has been for rioting in the streets, destroying public property, beating down citizens, tearing down statues. Um, now Kamala Harris is the running mate of, uh, of Joe Biden. I mean, many of these things, and, and, and not to mention the the economic tumult that has happened in the year 2020, which again, love Donald Trump or hate him, that was the feather in his cap. That was irrefutable. Even leftists that are very good at spinning things and contorting things, and let's just say it, lying about things with willing accomplices in the media they didn't even discuss the economy very much before all hell started breaking loose in 2020. And there was a reason for that. Um, unemployment was at record lows, um, affecting uh, the African-American community. It just uh, I mean, Donald Trump and his policies benefited African-Americans in so many ways. It's inconceivable. Uh, prison reform, uh, letting many African-Americans out um, because they were unjustly accused of something or uh, in in jails for an inordinate amount of times for misdemeanors. I mean, he, Barack Obama did not do that. Donald Trump did that. And I could go on and on and on. But all of these things that were good, particularly the economy um, for Donald Trump, has been absolutely erased from the landscape because of all the crazy things that are going on in our culture. And um, it concerns me. Um, I do not want to see Joe Biden as president in the fall. And I have to keep telling myself, if he is, God is still in control. Um, these egomaniacs may think that they are the leaders of the free world and they're in control of this and they're pulling the strings. And if we look around us, they have affected our lives very adversely. Um, however, God is still in control. And to a far lesser extent, 
um, but it is somewhat similar. Why don't you guys hearken back to where you were about four years ago? <clears throat> Excuse me. I was pretty convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to become the president of the United States. And I went um, to my prayer closet and I went back in my mind and I rehearsed, you know, cr or, um, remembered many prayers that I prayed in the 90s about um, Bill Clinton and the devastation that his administration and him personally as a human being um, uh, inflicted on the United States and um, its citizens. And I, I, you know, have these, I don't want to call them discussions with the Lord, but, uh, you know, hey, God, you know, I prayed for hours about this and hours about that. And the Clintons are getting away with all sorts of things. What's up? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then it really looked like Hillary Clinton was going to be the president of the United States and continue the lies, the deceit, the corruption, the evilness, if you want to really call it that. And um, God had something else in store and it was Donald Trump. And I'm not saying uh, and, 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 you know, God can use whomever he wants to use to get his will done and to get his purposes done. And I'll just say it that way. I mean, if you look down the stretch at the things Donald Trump did and said, particularly to Ted Cruz and many others, they were hardly Christ-like things. So, you know, they were not pleasing to the Lord. Let's just say it that way. But he got elected. He defeated Hillary Clinton. And it really didn't seem to me like that was going to happen. And a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. So um, I, I guess you could say, take heart. Um, Donald Trump has been counted out before. And um, things appear that they're going to be a certain way for the Democrat Party. And four years ago, they were not that way. And Donald Trump won. Maybe he will win again. If he does win again, it will certainly be divine intervention because I don't know who comes back from impeachment, a pandemic that just tanks the economy, blue states all over the country that are working overtime to hurt their own citizens just to see Donald Trump not be president again. And I know that's a very... Um, grand statement, but I think I can back it up. Um, and I think many people have backed it up. Um, tanking the economy on purpose, getting everybody to run under their bed and hide over a pandemic that largely is a, is a problem for older Americans. Um, not that that's uh, to be minimized, but to, to do what leftists have done to this um, economy and this world with the express notion of, of first and foremost making decisions, how is this going to hurt Donald Trump, hurt Republicans, and get our side elected in the fall is absolutely mind-boggling to me. It's inexcusable. It's crazy. And um, again, I, and, and the, 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 uh, what happened in Minneapolis and what that has done and the statues and the the um the putting Donald Trump in a category where he's a racist for some reason at all, which requires very little thought, um, any degree of thought about 
what Donald Trump has done for minorities in general in this country would not lead you to believe that he is the flaming racist that the left wants you to think he is. So, you know, we, we add all these things up and then Kamala Harris and, and God knows what is going to happen in the next 80 days again to put the nail in Donald Trump's coffin. And if this guy survives all of this, I think it truly will be a miracle. Um, but those of you that are big Donald Trump fans, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too excited about what's going to happen the day after whatever it is, November 5th, if he does indeed get elected, because I'm telling you, um, the anger, the fear, the craziness, the lies, the chaos, the tumult. Um, if you think it was bad before that election, if Donald Trump wins, I really fear for what could happen um, and the actions of our friends on the left. I'm not going to be uh, making apocalyptic uh, predictions. I don't really have to. I mean, all you know, Donald Trump is president now, and we see what's happening. If he can weather this incredible storm that is 2020 and retain uh, the presidency, um, I don't think, let's just put it mildly, I don't think that's going to sit well with a lot of people on the left. And um, if any time we really needed prayer, um, we need it now. We need to go to the Lord and we don't just pray for elections. We pray for the hearts and minds and souls of people to change, people that are in the media that are lying, people that are on the streets that are whipping poor, um, useful idiots, if you will, into shape. Um, I don't like to use the words idiot, so I'm sorry I did that. Useful, naive, altruistic um, people um, that feel that their cause is righteous when in reality their cause and the people that are funding causes like that are doing it for evil purposes. Um, so we need to be praying 24 seven. We really do. And it's, it's difficult. I know a lot of people don't, um, prayer is not your thing. And, um, I'm urging you to make it your thing. And if prayer is your thing, I'm urging you to double, triple, quadruple down on it. Um, I have my book here, reshaping America. And I was flipping through it before the show. And, um, very interesting. I went to an area about politics and, um, you know, again, getting someone elected doesn't solve all our problems, but voting is a very important thing. And, um, I have a lot of opinions uh, on voting, but I, but I will say this, and now I'm, I'm really qualifying those in the audience that are born again Christians. Um, it's really interesting how few born again Christians that call themselves, let's just use the term evangelicals really vote. Um, they represent a very, um, healthy amount of our populace, even though I think that's dwindling. But at the time I wrote this, this was 2016. And just to, uh, refresh my memory. I'll just read you a paragraph here. 
Um, and again, I, I think coming from a guy that's not a big Donald Trump fan um, is is somebody that um, you should listen to on um, voting. And ultimately, you, you take it to the Lord, whoever the Lord wants you to vote for. That's between you and him. Um, but I'll just read you what I wrote four years ago. And I think it's, 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 it's very important to understand that if evangelicals or faith-based voters or people that look at the Bible first and look at it for where they should be on the issues of the day, and this is much more than just the presidential election. There are elections for senators and congressmen and mayors and governors and all sorts of people. But um, here's what I wrote. I said, although evangelicals make up a fairly large voting block, the reality is that there are a lot of evangelical Christians who simply do not vote. The number of U.S. citizens, and again, folks, this was in 2016, uh, who are voting age and are eligible to vote um, and that right there is a major distinction if you are of voting age and are eligible to vote. Um, there's an aggressive push to encourage illegal aliens and felons to participate in this sacred process. However, um, if you take those two groups out of it, it's 62% of our populace. They're eligible to vote. The figure ebbs and flows given the importance of the election, and, and that's certainly national elections versus off-year, and we're in a national election this year. Um, however, I would contend that we should never look at any election as an off-year election, and that's very important. A lot of the people that are creating havoc during this pandemic um, in blue states um, were elected by very slim margins with a very um, anemic voter turnout, if you will, during what is termed off-year election. So I don't really consider anything an off-year election. Um, okay, uh, although a pathetic figure, I'm not going to go off on the everyone should vote rant. And again, I'm reading from my book, and I'm not one of those everyone should vote um, type people. Um, if you don't know the names of your representatives, where your state capital is, uh, cannot name the three branches of government, I would rather that you stay home. However, if you have thoughtfully researched issues, um, I would myself drive you to the polls, even if your views are different than mine. And that's how I feel about voting. Um, I'm not a big um, across-the-board vote Republican type guy. Um, I'm very thoughtful. I take each and every... Um, position that I'm voting for very um, deliberately. There are many times I do not vote for certain people, but I will vote. Uh, I will write people in. I will vote for other people on the ticket, but not a certain um, one or the other if I think um, both of those individuals are not worthy of my vote. So my, my views on voting are not just, hey, I think everybody should go out and vote. Um, and if the guy's got an R next to his name, vote twice. I, I'm not one of those guys. Um, here's kind of the meat of what I'm saying in this next paragraph. If we as believers truly believe that God should be involved in every decision we make, we should be very troubled that only about half of Christians in America are registered to vote. Half of the Christians in America are registered to vote. 
their reasons for not registering are pretty similar to those given by many citizens. And I will quote some of those reasons. They're all a bunch of liars anyway. My one vote is not going to make any difference. It really doesn't matter who gets elected. They're not going to change this messed up system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You would hope that Christians who at least profess to care about faith-based issues would be less cynical, but they are not. Next paragraph, even more disturbing is the fact that those faith-based citizens who are registered to vote, of those, only 50% actually make it to the polls. If you're concerned enough to register, you would think you could go all the way and actually vote. Apparently, it's not that simple. Well, at the time of this writing, we didn't have this mass, um, everybody can vote from their Barco lounger, um, and um, it, we didn't have a pandemic. So uh, it did, at the time, take a little bit of um, ambition for you to get up, despite the fact that it was raining, and go to your local school or church and vote. Um, 50% of born-again Christians, evangelicals, faith-based voters who are registered did not even show up. So when the smoke clears, we are left with the sobering reality that 75% of Christians in this country don't even vote. Um, Mind-boggling, but true. Edmund Burke said it best, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Um, and lastly here, I chronicle in 2010, which was a mid-year election, a few more good men and women took it upon themselves to actually do something in that election. The number of faith-based voters who showed up at the polls spiked from the usual 25% to 30%. Numerous local, state, and federal executive and legislative branches were transformed. These newly elected principled public servants at the time were forwarding faith-based agendas and oftentimes thwarting legislation that believers would find destructive to our nation. So um, please don't misinterpret the last couple minutes of the show here as a um, get out for, for Donald Trump or we're all going to die. And I know you could very easily do that. <laughs> that was not my point. Um, your vote is sacred. It is between you and your Lord. Uh, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do whatever he tells you to do, you should do it. Um, all I'm saying is when the smoke clears and 75% of faith-based voters don't even show up to vote, that's sad. You can infer from that whatever you want, but um, I think that's sad. This election is very important. Um, many uh, freedoms and liberties in this country are at stake, and I think we should all take it very, very seriously. This has been Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.